We are in the final week of Love is a Verb. Amen. Have you enjoyed these these messages? Yes. Amen. It's, uh, it's been good and it's been inspiring. It's been educational. Amen. It's been a multitude of different things throughout this entire series. And I hope that you felt encouraged. Amen. One thing I always try to communicate um, with Logan and with anybody that preaches here is we don't want to beat the people up. Amen. Amen. Um, and I've gone to church for many years and left church feeling like I just got punched in the face. Amen. And not encouraged. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't like leaving church feeling like feeling worse than I did coming there. Come on, right? And I grew up in, in churches like that. You go to church and you hear about all the sin in your life, but you don't hear about the salvation in your life. And uh, while I get the appeal for many to, to preach that way, it is very, very much not... Um, not sustainable. Amen. 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 Like it, you, you can control people by telling them they're wrong, but if you control them, listen now, controlling somebody doesn't mean they're transforming. Right. Amen. Right. Let me help some preachers out there out real quick. Um, we... We're not in the business of control. We're in the business of transformation. Yes. Amen? Yes. I, tell, I say it all the time here, prevail. And part of the reason why I think sometimes people don't stick around, <laughs> and we, we're not going to act like we can't address the elephant in the room, right? Come on, right? You know, like, there's it's low numbers in here. Part of the reason today is just because people are out sick and stuff like that. However, sometimes people don't stick around when they come and they, and I, I just choose to believe, I'm not saying that we don't need to work on processes and stuff because we do, amen. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Right? Let's, we're not going to act like, well, we're doing everything good and people just not sticking around. No, we, we got stuff we got to work on. However, I do think a big thing of it is people don't really grasp hold of this grace new covenant message I think people really struggle with am I really that free right. amen and I think people really do struggle with I can't handle that much freedom I need somebody to tell me what to do and what not to do and I'm just not the pastor to do that I'm going to teach you what the scripture says, which will eat, which will eventually allow you to gather information and learn how to live your life according to the will of God for your life. Amen? Amen? Right. How many of you know God's will for your life is probably not the same as God's will for my life? Come on. Amen? Your convictions might be different from my convictions. Yeah. Your
your struggles are different from my struggles. Come on, somebody. Right? And what the Bible teaches us with our freedoms is if your brother is struggling, you then acknowledge and honor the struggle by abstaining from what you find freedom in. Amen? I, although I'm free to do this, if you're struggling, I'm not going to do it. This ain't even in my notes, but it's good right here. I'm, uh, this is good. Come on, somebody. And I think people struggle with this. Amen? But on the flip side, because you struggle with it, don't mean I struggle with it. And so if it's not a freedom for you, it might be okay that it's a freedom for me. Come on, right? And we, we're going to use common sense here. We're not talking about some, you know, y'all know what I'm talking about. People are like, oh, I'm free to do whatever. Come on, man. You're going to go to jail. You probably ain't free to do that, okay? Um, and the Bible says this, that those who practice these things won't inherit the kingdom of God. Now, people get so hung up on this because they go, oh, my God, they won't go to heaven. No, it says they won't inherit the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God is this, righteousness, peace, and joy. They'll never feel true righteousness. They'll never feel true peace. Never feel true joy. Always be tormented. They'll go to heaven and be tormented on earth. Because they haven't let the gifts of the fruit, the fruits of the spirit take root in their life. Amen. So when you are free, fruit is produced. The fruit that's produced in your life is the fruit of the Spirit. One of those fruits is self-control. Amen. That ain't in my notes. I think people struggle with this new covenant reality because we want to be told what to do. We want to be... We like the slave mentality. Amen? We love, somehow we are head over heels in love with the slave mentality, and we want to, God, keep me enslaved. And it's just not biblical. Amen? We're free. Somebody say, I'm free. free. Somebody say, I'm free. free. Praise the Lord, I'm free. No change to hope. Y'all remember the song, right? We are free. And if we're free, we're free indeed. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Come on, somebody. All right, let me get to my message so we can get out of here. Amen. Y'all like, dang, I'm ready to go already. I'm hungry. Last week of Love is a Verb and... I'm excited to share this message with you. It's going to be a little bit of a doozy. Just prep yourself. Amen. Um, when we talk about love, it is quite uh, a robust conversation to talk about. Amen. And I, um, I am intrigued by the message that's on my heart today because I honestly think we all maybe struggle with this just a little bit. 
Amen. And so my hope is to encourage you to look at life from a different perspective. Amen. And to view what the Lord would say to us. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read verses 43 to 48 from the Passion Translation. For all you who are going to be upset that I'm using the Passion Translation, come on, somebody. Y'all don't know. I get messages about that. You use the Passion Translation? How dare you? We're going to start there, and then we're going to skip over to 2 Corinthians 5 and read verses 14 through 19. Amen? Matthew 5, 43 to 48 says this, Your ancestors have also been taught, love your neighbors and hate the ones who hate you. You catch that? However, I say to you, love your enemy. Bless the one who curses you and do something wonderful, wonderful for the one who hates you. And respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them. Well, thank you for coming to church today. God bless you. <laughs> Let's read that one again. Jesus said, however, I say to you, love your enemy. Bless the one who curses you. And do something wonderful, wonderful for the one who hates you. And respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them. For that will reveal your identity as children of your heavenly father. He is kind to all by bringing the sunrise to warm and rainfall to refresh whether a person does what is good or, what's the word say? Evil. He is kind to all by bringing sunrise to warm and rainfall to refresh whether a person does what is good or evil. What, re what reward do you de uh, deserve if you only love the lovable? Don't even the tax collectors do that? How are you any different from others if you limit your kindness to only your friends? Don't even the ungodly do that. Since you are children of a perfect father in heaven, you are to be perfect like him. I ain't got nobody over here to preach to today. <laughs> oh, man. Y'all see why I read it from the Passion Translation? Okay. Second Corinthians 5, 14 through 19 says this. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose on their behalf. Verse 16, therefore, from now on, we recognize no one by the flesh. Even though we have known Christ by the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, this person is a new creation. Old things have passed away. New things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their wrongdoings against them. And he has committed us to the word 
of reconciliation. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to say. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm on a mission today to preach a word that I have titled, Perfected Love. Somebody say, Perfected Love. So many of us have different views and different opinions and different whatever experiences with love. Somebody say love. love. Many of us use the word love for lots of things. We love our cars. We love our phones. We love our jobs. Nobody said amen here. <laughs> we, we love our jobs. We love our animals. Amen. We love our favorite chips, love our favorite wings. We love our favorite Zaxby's. Come on, right? We, <laughs> we love a lot of things, and we use the word love interchangeably for a lot of things, not realizing that love is a much deeper term and has much deeper meaning than if we really thought about it, we probably wouldn't say that we love some of the things that we love. Amen. We love our family, we love our friends, and we mostly love those who are kind to us. Amen. We love those that are nice to us, those that are friendly to us, those that don't get on our last right. nerve. I grew up, my mom used to say that all the time, you're getting on my last nerve. My granddaddy used to say that. And he would bite his bottom lip when he did it. Getting on my last nerve. And then he'd proceed to say like a whole bunch of other words that you didn't, that didn't sound like English. <laughs> Because he was biting his like, I, I'm in trouble. I know I'm in trouble. What are you saying? Anyways. We, we proclaim to love a lot of things in our life. And I get it. I understand that we subconsciously uh, uh, categorize these levels of love for these things. I'm not saying that you love your chips the same way you love your husband or your wife. Amen. I'm not saying you love your animals the same way that you love your spouse, or, or maybe you do. There are people who, you know, they do. I'm not, I'm not saying that you love your car more than your wife, or maybe you do. Don't be looking at me, Aaron Giles. I don't love my car more than I love you, but I love it a little less than I love you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not, I'm not saying that we categorize all these on the same levels. I know subconsciously we know that, that love has levels when it comes to the things that we say we love. Amen? All of us know that. But I do believe that we struggle with what real love is. Somebody say what real love is. What is real love? Well, as, as your pastor, I try to teach you and do my best to teach you what real love is. 
And as many as definitions as I've given and as many definitions as we've talked about over the last few weeks, the one definition that rings most true for me and accurate is that real love, listen to this, real love or perfected love or perfect love is unconditional. Somebody say unconditional. Now, I know a lot of us would, would probably say well, and believe, and we want to believe about ourselves that we live and we give unconditional love. But I want to challenge us today to really consider, do we really give and live with unconditional love? Do we really love unconditionally? Amen? Somebody say, strap in. Gonna be a little heavy today. I'm a, I'm a, we're gonna, we're, it's a roller coaster, okay? We're gonna, gonna hit some high, but we're gonna end and you're gonna be like, man, I really enjoyed that roller coaster professor. It was crazy. <laughs> as you begin, as we begin this, this, this message, and I don't wanna keep us long, but I want you to consider this definition for unconditional. I wrote this down. Unconditional means this. Unconditional, the word unconditional means, with no limits in any way, without restriction by conditions or qualifications, okay? I also want you to consider this definition for love. Love is this, a feeling or strong of strong or constant affection for a person, okay? A feeling of strong or constant affection for a person. So if we join these two terms together, we get unconditional love is this, that unconditional love is a feeling of strong and constant affection for a person that has no limits in any way and is without restrictions by conditions or qualifications. Let me say that again. Unconditional love is, I have a feeling of strong or constant affection for you and that affection has no limits and is without restrictions by conditions or qualifications. So I repose my question from earlier, is your love really unconditional? I don't glow in the dark, I hear that and I go, nope. How many qualifications I put on a person or a people or a thing? Come on, somebody. How many conditions I put on? I even have to struggle. I would struggle with the love part of it. Strong or constant? Strong or constant? Affection? Mm. The devil is a lot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Is your love really unconditional? Is it really unconditional? Now, I know it's a little, little heavy in the room because in reality, none of us really carry the ability to love like that. Amen? And there are many reasons for this. I want to I give you some reasons because I want you to be freed from this feeling of guilt that you may feel right now like, oh my God, I missed out on something. Oh my God, I'm not doing something, right? There's a reason why you, you, you just don't even have the ability to love like that. 
Can I tell you a few reasons? One, you are human. Somebody say, we are human. We mess up quite often. Come on, somebody. How many of y'all messed up in the car on the way here? Yep. Come on, who's cussing in the car right here? Come on, raise your hand. Nobody ever. We mess up quite often, amen? We don't get it right. We don't get it right, and we don't get it right often. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes we drop the ball. Come on, somebody. Some of us need a little meeting, you know, Ball Droppers United. Come on, you know, because, because, we, because, because we, don't, we don't get it right. We are human. Somebody say we're human. Yeah. You know, another reason why we struggle and we can't, we don't have the ability to love unconditionally. Y'all ready for this one? Many of us don't love ourselves unconditionally. Right. Somebody say, I know me. I don't love myself unconditionally. I put conditions and qualifications and reasons and things on myself. So how am I going to love somebody else that way if I can't even love myself like that? And many of us struggle, and we don't have the ability. I believe the scripture is inviting us to love like that, but we struggle with it and we don't have the ability to do it. And a lot of it is because we don't even love ourselves unconditionally. The other thing is this. The other reason I wrote down for us not being able to love unconditionally is because Many of us have protective vices set up because we've been rejected, we've been disappointed, we've been hurt, and so on and so on so many times that the feeling comes that comes with it is not fun. So when I put my love out there and you break that, now I'm struggling. And it's hard to love unconditionally, come on somebody, when you've been broken. Yeah. Amen. 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 We have to learn how to acknowledge that, right? We got to acknowledge that as truth. It's not that something's wrong with you, but it's truth. It is just the reality. Yeah. It's the reality. And many people's realities are different from your reality, and it's okay. And it, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It just means that's the reality that we live with, we're faced with. You know the other reason why we struggle with love and that condition? Y'all ready for this? Because other people are human. <laughs> Try to love somebody, and then they like, oh. Listen, other people are human. You know what I've learned about us as people, though? Although people are human, but we don't give them the grace to be human. Amen? Other people are human. Remember I said we are human? We mess up quite often. Although people are human, they mess up quite often. Right? And maybe you glow in the dark and, and walk on water and, you know, I don't. I mess up. Amen? Amen? 
I get frustrated. I yell. I'm, I'm, I get upset. Amen? I don't let my anger get out of control, but I get angry. Come on, somebody. Catch me on the wrong day in, 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 uh, in traffic and, you know, let's just be glad there's no recording devices in my car. Amen. 85, driving over here for prayer night. I need prayer after I get off 85. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So I come here, I'm like, just, I'm just going to sit because I... <laughs> Somebody say other people are human. Other people are human. You know what else? That the reason why we why we struggle to love uncon unconditionally, because we are imperfect. Somebody say I'm imperfect. We are not perfect. Well, I'm striving for perfection. You're still not perfect. I'm working on me. We'll keep working on you. Amen? We're getting there. But we're not perfect. Somebody say, I'm not perfect. You know the other reason, and I love this reason, that we struggle and we don't have the ability to love unconditionally? Are you ready for this? We are not God. I know some of us like to think we are, but we are not God. Come on. There's one person that can love like this and love unconditionally and love without limits, and that is God. Right. Amen? Amen? You're going to hear this on the podcast this week. But, you know, I was saying this, and I may have said it last week in church, but I think some of us think that God is like us or that God is a member of my church and he goes to a member of my church, so he must think like and act like me and love people like me like I do. Did I say this last week? I think I did. And, and, and this, the reality is God is greater than us. He is out of our minds. He is out of our comfort zones. He's out of our thoughts. He's beyond what we could ever imagine, think, or any of that. He is so much bigger and he loves so much better. He is perfect love, so he gives perfect love, and he operates as perfect love, and he shows perfect love. Come on, somebody, because he is love. Love personified is God. So God has the ability to love like we don't. Amen. But we use love quite often for a lot of things. But today I want to challenge us to love those we have deemed as unlovable. And y'all like, why we had to end it like this? You couldn't just preach a Valentine's Day message, Pastor Fred? <laughs> couldn't preach a leap year message? Come on. It's the leap year this year. You're going to be blessed. <laughs> Y'all laughing, but somebody doing that this morning. You know it, too. You know it, too. I heard the Lord say every four years. <laughs> this year, you're going to leap. I want to challenge us today to love what we've deemed as unlovable or our enemies. Or the people we don't like. Or the people on the other side. 
How do, do I need to go? Challenge us to love liberal, liberals or conservatives. Right-wingers, left-wingers. Come on, people who don't eat chicken wings properly. You're leaving, all the, leaving the meat on the bone. What is this? <laughs> you are an enemy of God leaving all that meat on it. <laughs> I want to challenge us to love. Yeah, somebody said, or people who don't eat chicken wings at all. We got to work through some stuff for that. Amen? Challenge us to love our enemies. I do this all the time. I put it in practice every football season. Come on, somebody. God has trained me to love Clemson people. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> ah, it's nice when you got the mic and you can say some random stuff. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. <clears throat> A couple of thoughts that I wanted to share with you about loving the unlovable or what we call the unlovable and what the scripture says about it. First thought is this, and it's going to be a heavy one because I don't usually use words like this, but I wanted, I wanted to say this the way that I needed to say it. Amen? The first one is, it is sinful to withhold love from those that you deem as unlovable. Yeah. Wow. I might say it's sinful. Well, Pastor Fred, I don't, hold on, wait a minute. You tell me I'm sinning if I don't love you. Obadiah. Chapter 1, verses 12 through 13 says this, But do not gloat over the day of your brother. Do not gloat over the day of your brother in the day in his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people in, of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Do not gloat over his disaster in the day of his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. That's what the scripture says. Obadiah's prophecy was unique because he doesn't deal with Judah or Israel much at all. His focus, listen to this, his focus is on the sin of Edom and the judgment coming upon them. Who were the Edomites? The Edomites were, are, are the people who descended from Esau, the son of Isaac and Rebekah, and the brother of Jacob. Esau was nicknamed Edom, which means red, probably, because he had red hair, right? Okay, so Edom treated God's people terribly when they were in distress and calamity. Right? And for them, the way they treated the people when they were in distress and calamity, God's judgment came upon them. Somebody say, came upon them. His judgment came. Why did his judgment came? Well, this is what they did. Let me tell you what they did. All right? Are you listening? Their enemy or their, these people that they deemed unlovable were in distress, and this is what they did. First of all, they did nothing. They could have helped, but they didn't help. So they did nothing to help. And then when they didn't help, check this out. They rejoiced 
because they were in distress and calamity. To make matters worse, they took advantage of their vulnerable state. Ooh. Took advantage of their vulnerable state. And then they joined in violence against them. And God said, I got to judge you because of those actions. I told you I was going to be heavy. It's sinful to withhold love from those that you deem as unlovable. Are you catching this? Are you, are you, are you catching what I'm saying here? They had opportunity after opportunity to be the hands and feet and show and express the love of God, and they chose not to. They actually turned to rejoicing and violence. against these chosen people, the, the Jewish people, like, like, come on, think about this. God's chosen people, they are rejoicing that these people are hurting. How many of us, do we do this? How many of us rejoice when someone is in distress or calamity? Now, you may not be like, oh, no, I don't, I don't rejoice. I'm not throwing parties and, you know. Can I, can I share something with y'all? I probably shouldn't, but I'm going to share it anyway. You ever seen, you ever been driving on the highway and somebody speeds past you and they cut you off and you're like, oh. There's a slight part of me that's like, I hope they get pulled over by the police and I drive by them. When I, you know what I mean? You ever felt like that? Or you're like, if they really make you mad, like, I hope they ran into the side of a bridge or something, side scrapes. Y'all never done that? I know, I told y'all, it's rough for me out these streets, okay? Like, I, I, there's a small part of me that's like, ooh, I want you to pay for cutting me off in traffic. Right. You need a ticket, you need to go to jail, you need to... It ain't that serious, bro. They cut you off. You're still moving, right? But, but listen, we rejoice in the calamity and distress of others. <laughs> I have had that happen before and then get down the road and see them pulled over. And I'm like, yeah, police got them. They should get them. They, you deserve that. You deserve that. I'm going to get out of the car. Good job, officer. You ain't never done that? I have rode by and seen him pulled over and like, yes! Thank you, Jesus. Another one off the road. Rejoicing in someone's calamity is a sign of immaturity. Because I don't know why they were speeding. I don't know why they're trying to dare in a hurry. I don't know what's going on in their life. Maybe they're trying to get to a family member. Maybe they love one. You know, nine times out of ten, I would hope that most people aren't just driving fast and cutting people off and causing dangers to others because of some, for, for no reason. Amen? Right. 
But I don't know that. But my first thought is not to show or expand or give compassion. My, my, my first thought is to criticize and tear down and wish that something bad would come to, for you to, to you, you get what I'm saying? I'm talking about, this is me in traffic, guys. Imagine what happens when somebody does you wrong and they know you and they say they love you and they say they're your friend and they say this and they say that and then what do you think that you go through then? Oh, yeah, uh uh-huh, yeah. As the pastor of this church, I have had so many opportunities to just sit back and almost rejoice in somebody's calamity. You left the church. You shouldn't have left the church. You should have, you know, I was praying for you every night and doing all this. Ah, You don't rejoice in somebody's calamity. If they're hurting, compassion. If they're struggling with something, there's a reason for it. You know, I gave that, that illustration about somebody driving fast. Even if they're driving fast because they are uh, uh, driving under the influence, there's a reason for it. There's some hurt. There's something going on there. There's an addiction. And as the people of God, I'm, I should be the kind of person, yeah, you put my life in danger, and yeah, it's uh, and I'm a little upset if you need to not do that again. But I also want to understand what's going on with you. Why you not care so much about your life that you would put other people in danger? What is it that you don't care that much about your life that you would even put yourself in that kind of danger? But that's not my first thought. My first thought is, get them. Come on, somebody. But it's sinful. Somebody say it's sinful. God judged the Edomites for this behavior. He judged them. He judged them harshly. We weren't playing no games. Y'all ain't gonna be out here acting like you, my people, and rejoicing in somebody else's calamity. That's a problem. A whole problem. Come on, somebody. I saw this, I thought about this when I was thinking about the other when 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 stuff happened in, in legislation and a big thing was overturned and when I'm not going to go there because I don't even want to be triggered and all this stuff. But you, 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 can, you can put the pieces together, okay? Something was overturned and, and I get it. I understand it's, it's a big issue for a lot of people and I understand. Yeah, I get it. But what, but what bothered me the most was I saw people rejoicing in other people's calamity. When people were distressed and hurt and now what am I going to do and I don't know if I'm going to jail or this and that and blah, 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 and how am I going to raise it? You know what I mean? Instead of being like, man, I see you, and, and I'm going to help you. I'm going to walk through this with you. It was a rejoice. Yes, we did it. We did it. The God, the key to God, take it by force, blah, blah, blah. Where does that look like God. Where anywhere in the scripture do you see God rejoice when someone falls into calamity? 
Never once. Where do you see in Jesus where he rejoices in someone else's distress? Not once. Are you catching what I'm saying? Next thing is this. I got to get through this quickly. God loves those that you deem as unlovable. I want to encourage us to love those that we think are not lovable. Why? Because God loves the people that we deem as unlovable. Somebody say, God loves you. Well, Fred, just because God loves them, I mean, I got to love them. Yeah, you do. Well, I'm struggling with them. Well, struggle to do like what God did. Here's what you don't need to do is, oh, well, I, don't, I mean, God loves them. I don't have to love them. No, you need to. See, the scripture says we serve a perfect father, so we are to be perfect like him. And I get it. I know what the scripture means. It means that God is not. Listen, there's no way for us to be perfect. But he's inviting us to walk into this perfection. Amen? Amen. Somebody say it. God loves those you deem as unlovable. Let me give you the scripture. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved who? Doesn't the world include everybody? That means the world includes you know who. Come on. Little Frank down the street. <laughs> Susie at work. Come on, right? Or what they call it, Karen. God loves Karen, too. <laughs> Sorry. If your name is Karen, I'm not talking about you specifically. He does love you, though. First John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. What did the scripture say? We love because he first loved us. Romans 5.10. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by death, by the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. He loves those that we deem as unlovable. Why? Because he loved us when we were unlovable. The Bible says that we were enemies of God, and Jesus still stepped forward and gave his life on our behalf. There was a wedge between God and me, but Jesus said, nope, I'm going to step in the gap, and I'm going to close it. Now there's no, dif no distance. Come on, somebody. Luke 6, 35, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. my God, that ain't in the scripture. That's not, that script is wrong. I'm going to read it again because I, I felt like I just saw something that I didn't see right now. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting, oh man, it is there. Expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the most high. 
for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Oh, my word! Love your enemies. Do good. Expect nothing in return. Why? God is called kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Well, they didn't even say thank you. Have you said thank you to God? God is grateful. He is kind to the ungrateful. Do you know if God made you say thank, say thank you for everything that he did for you, you wouldn't be able to do anything else but say thank you? Yeah. I mean, literally, like, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you for giving me the breath to say thank you. Oh, thank you for giving me the breath to say thank you again. I want to say thank you again for giving me, oh, man, my hands are moving while I'm saying thank you. You see how quickly that can? He's kind to the ungrateful. And evil. Amen? Amen? Love is incomplete if you don't love those you deem as unlovable. Love is not perfected if you don't extend love to your enemy. Proverbs 16, 7 says this, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. When a man's way pleases the Lord, he'll make your enemies be at peace with you. I got a lot of enemies. We saying that. I got a lot of enemies. Got a lot. Of, no, some of y'all don't. Y'all like, who is that? That's Drake. That's the, the great composer, Drake. And the generation that we live in, they, they, rock, they run around and they declare these words. I got a lot of enemies. God. When a man's ways please the Lord, I ain't got no enemies. Need a new song. I ain't got no enemies. Got no enemies. Whatever. I was trying to make up something like that. When he pleased the Lord, when your ways please the Lord, guess what? Your enemies will be at peace with you. I woke up this morning, I ain't had no enemies. Thank you, Lord. You want to know if your life is pleasing to the Lord? Take your enemy count. Mm. Pro tip. Throw that out there. Is my life pleasing to the Lord? How many enemies I got today? <laughs> Don't do that. That'd be a checklist. You'd be trying to figure out something that, that ain't how this works. There's no formula to it. Ephesians 4, 32 says this, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Love is incomplete if you don't love those that you deem unlovable. Amen? Amen. If I... If I draw the line at which I believe God loves people then my love is not complete. Let me say this. If there is a sin that a person could commit that will keep them separated from God forever, God ceases to be God. 
You know, people say it's an unforgivable sin. Show me in Scripture where it's at. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You can't ever be forgiven for that. That's what the Bible says. Is that God's word or man's word? I mean, if there's something that God cannot forgive, then God is not God. Let's chew on that for a little bit. Last thing is this, love reveals your true identity. Somebody say love reveals your true identity. Loving your enemies, loving those that you deem as unlovable reveals your true identity. Matthew 5 and 45 says, for that will reveal your identity as children of your heavenly father. What is that? Loving the unlovable. Remember what we read in the scripture? A few scriptures before? Will you only be kind to those who are kind to you? Will you only love those that love you back? Will you only like or, or interact with the people that treat you kindly and, and be nice to you? That's, I mean, scripture said it. It's literally G, like Jesus is, it's almost like he's being a little sarcastic with them. That's what you know. You, you're just going to love the people that love you, huh? You're just going to love the people that, that are your friends, that, that, like, that are like you. You're just going to, you know, some of the problems we got in the, in the world that we live in is many people have been taught. This is what racism is. Just love the folk that look like you and act like you and think like you. And then hate those people. Oh, and then call yourself Christian. And Jesus is like, that's what you just gonna you just gonna do that? You're just gonna be that you're gonna be like that. You're okay with that. By the way, that's what tax collectors do. And I love that he threw that in there because tax collectors for this group was a real problem. Like a straight up real problem. It'd be like me going and telling uh uh um uh uh, somebody who's racist, that, oh, you just like Hitler. Like, it was a real real problem for them. So when they hear this, Jesus, he just, it's just nonchalantly throws it in. That's what tax collectors do. They would have been like, what? Oh, oh, no, you did not just compare us to tax collectors. Hold up, wait a minute, bro. Shut the front door. Jesus throws it in there. That's what tax collectors do, bro. So I guess you like a tax collector. <laughs> what? Fight words. I need to do a whole series called Fight Words. <laughs> Jesus is throwing, he's dropping bombs. I guess that's what you are. Even tax collectors do that. Wow. Then he goes on like, how are you any different? 
if you limit your kindness to only your friends. And he throws this in there. Not just tax cutters, but don't the ungodly do that too? So I guess you guys, <laughs> I love that tax collectors and ungodly, two different things, right? Like, <laughs> we think about that now, we're like, dang, man, screw, tax collectors had it rough. And Jesus threw that up there first. So the ungodly was like a little less than tax collectors. Okay? Tax collecting, you're going straight to hell. Gasoline underwear on, you're going to burn. Ungodly, we work on that. Well, why were the tax collectors so bad? Because they were persecuting their own people. They were supposed to be a part of the group. Come on. But they only loved the lovable. They only benefited the ones that were nice to them. The ones that could do something for them. And Jesus says, that's your mindset? You're just like the tax collector. Or you're just like the ungodly. You're not. And then he goes on to say, but if you, if you love the unlovable, if you be kind to those that you don't think deserve it, he says that will reveal your true identity as children of your heavenly father. Not your bloodline, not your DNA, not your, I go to church every week, not, you know, you pray in tongues and you can pray and this and that. How you treat other people reveals your identity as a son and daughter of God. Scripture says this, the whole world moans and groans waiting for the sons of God, sons and daughters of God to be revealed, manifested in the earth. How is it going to be manifested? By how we treat other people. The revealing of the sons of God will flow through the love and the care that we have for our community and for other people. And you know what the whole world is waiting for? They're waiting for someone to be nice to them when they don't deserve it. Treat them with respect and dignity. And we're all here like, oh, no, I'm a son of God because I can declare a thing and this can happen and I can speak things and things can grow. And, and you know, well, y'all didn't grow up in church like I grew up in church like, you've got to speak it. It's going to come forth in Jesus' name. And then go to lunch after church and talk nasty to the waitress and disrespect the waiter and order like $800 in food and leave a $2 tip. And say, God loves you. Uh-huh. Whole world manifests, waiting for the sons of God, daughters of God to manifest because, listen, we have treated people like trash and called it Jesus. And it's just not true. They're waiting for people to be the hands and feet of Christ, to be like the Lord in the earth. Fred, is there ever a day where racism exists? Yeah, when people start acting like Jesus. When his church starts acting like him. And racism is just is, is one of the things. People might actually start coming back to church. They might feel love. Our, our depression and mortality rate may go down. There may be more joy in the world. 
Maybe be more happiness. There may be more peace and love. We may not have as many wars. We may not have all these threats of wars. We may not have all these things going on in the world if God's people would act like God's people. How do we get world peace? Be like Jesus. Love like Jesus. Treat other people with dignity and respect. Care. Turn the other cheek. Oh, no, no. Ain't no way, Pastor Fred. I'm going to turn a cheek. It's going to be their cheek. Turn the other cheek and then give them the other cheek. You want this one too? I got to defend myself. God's your defender. Amen? All that to say, don't run up on me, okay? Because I ain't there yet. <laughs> I know you heard me say it in my message. Don't mean I'm practicing it, okay? <laughs> Amen. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Love reveals true identity. First John 4 and 7, I'm on the end with that says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Amen. You know what I'm grateful for? I'm grateful that Jesus saved me. Didn't deserve it. Heck, I don't even think I wanted it. He still did it. You know what I love, too, is that the work of the cross was finished before I even thought about salvation. Before I was born, formed in my mother's womb, he had already extended the offer of freedom. He had already extended unconditional love. He already had looked at me and said, I see you as my child. You may not see it. You may not know it. You may not even be walking in it. But when I look at you, I see love. I think about my children growing up, and I remember, I'm closing, I promise y'all, but I remember watching them grow up I remember watching them learn how to walk. And I remember watching them learn how to talk. And they didn't know the right words to say. Sometimes they would say random stuff. And you'd be like, huh? I didn't get mad because they said bye-bye for bottle. If they slipped and fell, I ran to them and picked them up. And then go, you, you, you fail. Why are you falling? If I didn't even know what was going on, I, I would hug them and hold them. Time and time, over and over, time and time, my love would grow for them in ways that I never thought I could. 
all because they were my children. And, and I grew as a person. I experienced love that I never thought I could. And that's me as a human man. Yeah, they're older now. I would love for them not to say Baba. But if one of them came and said Baba, I would probably laugh the first few times. Then I'd be like, yo, you know the word. You get what I'm saying? But I still wouldn't get in their face, why are you saying Baba? If one of them fell now, I would run and be like, are you okay? And depending on the level of the injury, I might laugh if it was a funny fall. Or I might be like, yo, pay attention. I told you to stop running. No judgment. No, I, you are terrible. You fail. You, you, you're just going to fall for the rest of your life. Hey, hear my words. Don't run. And I give them the opportunity to learn and hear from their dad without judgment. Don't run isn't connected to the rest of their life. It is in this moment, on this path, right here. It's probably best for me not to run because I may fall. And my dad is not looking at me thinking I'm trash and going to fall for the rest of my life. But many of us believe that God treats us like that. So we treat other people like that. I'm grateful that God loves me unconditionally. Without limits, without qualifications, without all these other things. He loves me unconditionally and sets no requirements on it. His affection towards me is strong and constant. And he has no qualifications. And it's limitless. That's how God feels about every one of us in this room. So this week, when the enemy shows up in your mind and tries to tell you, oh, you messed up, you're not blessed. Anybody deal with that? Oh, you messed up. You might, you, you know, you're just, you're just terrible. You ain't, you ain't doing something right. You just messed up. You're all this and that, blah, blah, blah. Anytime the enemy shows up, you say, no, no, no. God's love for me is strong and constant and limitless and has no qualifications. Amen? You need to write that down. You put that on the mirror somewhere. His love for me is strong, constant, limitless, has no limits in any way. And it's not restricted by conditions or qualifications. That's God's love for you. And the challenge I want to issue to you is try to love people, other people in that way. When a man's way pleases the Lord, he makes even your enemies be at peace with you. Thank you, Lord. For those under the sound of my voice, 
I pray, God, that this word resonates with us. I know this wasn't like a yell, yelling loud, preachy, whatever kind of message, but I pray, God, that these words will resonate deep into our soul, deep into our hearts and our minds and our spirits, that we would see your love, the love that is without any limits, the strong and constant, an affection for us was limitless, and it's not subject to any conditions or qualifications. That love, God, we remember that we have that love from you. And God, I pray that you would give us the grace and, the encur and encourage us and help us to live and extend that love to others. I'm grateful for you, and I thank you for what you've said today. In Jesus' name, amen.